This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Well, 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 good afternoon. Praise God. What a blessing to be here today. Please keep quiet out there. Well, that's all people from Limpopo out there. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. And we, we, we want to say thank you. Thank you so much to mom and dad for being such a blessing to Louisa and I. You know, we couldn't be where we are if it was not because of you. And I'm so grateful that, you know, you, you pastored us and you're still pastoring us. I remember in October 1988, when I came in full-time here, and uh, one Sunday evening, you called people, you were praying for people, and you called the pastors to come up on stage to come and help you pray. And I remember we were on stage, and you know, uh, it was about 20 pastors, you know, I was the only black one, so 21. <laughs> And, and so we were praying and, you know, people were coming, you know, to you and flocking and to other pastors who were trickling, going there. And I was there taking a holiday. Nobody was coming to me. <laughs> you know, eh, eh, eh. but I won't forget what Apostle Theo did. You know, he left his spot there and he came and stood behind me. Yeah. And when he did that, everybody now was forced to come to me. <laughs> and, and, and when that happened, you know, I mean, I was new. And so I thought, let me skip out. And an apostle still said that, David, pray, pray, pray. You know, and as I laid hands, he was laying hands with me. And to me, that was saying that I believe in you. I believe in your miracle. I believe in the anointing that is upon your life. I believe in the grace that you carry, you know, and it is that that has carried us, you know, even when we're in Polokwane, you know, we have gone uh, through the borders to all over the place now, and I still remember that, you know, you believed in us, and I still carry that, that you believe in us. And that is why we are so grateful to be in this house. Hallelujah. Can we give Apostle Theo and Mama Bev a big hand of praise? Can we appreciate the Lord? Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we are so grateful to God. Uh, I have my two daughters over there somewhere. And also my mom is there in... Uh, and then all the group from Polokwane, I mean from Limpopo, there you are. Well, we are so grateful. They love this place. I said that let's, let's link up, you know, and we connect. Everybody said that, no, 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 we are going, we are going. So they've been here since Monday, and we are grateful to God for that. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you that even as, we, as I minister your word, that you minister through me. 
Lord, I'm not depending upon my own human intellect, but I'm trusting on you, Spirit of God, to speak forth the word with power and with anointing. And Lord, I promise to give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor for all that you will do and accomplish through your word this afternoon in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, the title of my message is Recover by the Anointing. Recover by the Anointing. Jesus took some time off with his disciples. He went on holiday, you know, t- uh, 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 you know, to a place. We find that in Matthew chapter 16. Now, if you have gone to Israel, when you go to that place, it's a beautiful place, you know, beautiful garden. And that is why I, I understand why Jesus went to that place. It says in verse 13, Matthew 16, verse 13, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippines, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, you know, some, uh, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Isn't it interesting that uh, God wants your personal testimony? You know, what do you think about him? What do you say he is? So he challenged his disciples and said that, but who do you say that I am? And the Bible says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Jesus heard that in verse 17, and Jesus answered him, and uh, he said, blessed are you, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, what was Jesus Uh, saying here. He was saying that, Peter, you did not get this revelation by human understanding or because you were taught or because you were, somebody told you about it. He says, but my Father in heaven revealed this unto you. Now, we need to understand that Jesus was not known as Christ. You know, nobody uh, knew him as Christ. You know, when we read Jesus Christ, you know, it's not a name and a surname, please, you know. <laughs> but Christ, you know, we will get more into it. He was known. Nobody carried surnames those days. You know, they were identified by their places. You know, uh, you would be called like he, w- he was known as uh, Jesus of Nazareth or by his parents, you know, Jesus, son of Joseph, you know, or you know, by his occupation, Jesus, the carpenter. And so people were known by that. They were not known. They did not carry the surnames. So Jesus Christ, it's not a name and a surname. So he was not known as Christ, although demons knew that he was Christ. Now, uh, the Bible tells us here, you know, one thing that we see here is that Peter got this revelation from the Father. He never studied it, but he knew God gave him this, that I am, that he is the Christ. So the subject matter here, you know, what will follow here, it's what Peter said, you are the Christ. The revelation knowledge that Jesus is the Christ is the subject matter here. 
Now, in verse 18, we read, he says here, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the question is, which rock is Jesus building his church? Now, definitely it's not Peter, because as we know that in Greek, names have got gender. You know, so Peter carries a, a, a you know, a, what is it's a, it's, it's a fail, it's a male gender, you know, but the word rock is female, it's feminine, it's a, a, the, the name rock. So it, Jesus could not be meaning Peter. Do you understand? You know, but what was he talking about? Remember, the subject matter is that Jesus is the Christ. So he's saying this, that on the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, I am going to build my church. When people understand that I am the Christ, when people understand that I am the one that I've been waiting for, then the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. Yeah. So when we carry this revelation that he is the Christ, you know, no devil can stop you. No demon can stop you. No power of the enemy can stop you. You will flourish. You will soar. You will grow greater heights. Why? Because you carry the revelation that he is the Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then, you know, we read on here. Uh, the Bible says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall be lost uh, in, uh, uh, in heaven. Now, what was Jesus saying? He was saying that with this revelation knowledge, you know, wherever you go, I give you authority. You have authority over demons. You have authority over situations. You have authority over every power of the enemy. You know, when you understand and when you carry this revelation that I am the Christ, then he, he strictly charged his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Simply because he had not gone to the cross, he had not died, and so the time has not yet come. So Christ is not the same name of Jesus. Tell your neighbor, Christ is not the same name of Jesus. Now, Christ means the anointed one. You know, that's what it means, the anointed one. Now, the Hebrew word uh, for anoint in this instant is the word mashach. You know, now this is where we get the word Messiah. Now, what we understand is that uh, when he said that you are the anointed one, he was saying that you are the Messiah. He meant that, but he said it in Greek, that you are the anointed one. Now, Jesus, uh, the Jews understood that Christ is the Messiah. So now, the Old Testament, we understand that it was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. You know, and the New Testament was written in Greek. Now, what we understand is this, that uh, about 350 years 
before Jesus was born, you know, that uh, that was during the time of the Greek Empire, or that the Greek Empire had already captured a lot of uh, uh, territories, and so they influenced many people to speak uh, Greek. Now, even when the Roman Empire took over, but the language that was common was still Greek. And so what happened is that about 350 years before Jesus was born, then because many people had become proselytes, you know, they, uh, they started accepting the religion of the Jews, but they were not uh, speaking Hebrews. So it was instructed that they start to translate the Hebrew Bible or the Aramaic, you know, uh, uh, scriptures into Greek. And, uh, and, and that is why when we look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, that were discovered, I think it's 1946, uh, that were uh, supposed to have been written uh, during those days that some are in Hebrew and Aramaic, and we have some also in Greek. So meaning that by the time Jesus and his disciples were here on earth, that the common language was Greek. And the Bible that was used was Greek Bible, especially that many people did not speak uh, Hebrew. Now, we need to understand also that the New Testament believers and the New Testament writers, when they wrote the, the New Testament in Greek and they referred to the Old Testament, that they were quoting some scriptures that were already translated in Greek. And so that's why they wrote now in Greek and uh, they took it from what the Old Testament Greek translation was saying, even though some of them uh, were taken from Hebrew Bible. Now, I want us to look at, you know, one of the Bible that was used was the Septuagint, you know, the Old Testament Greek. Now, I want us to look at the word anoint. And we will, you know, this will give us a better understanding that when the Bible says that you are the Christ, you are the anointed one, what does it mean? Now, the first thing that we need to understand is that the word anoint in Greek, there are actually two words. You know, the first one is the word creo, and that's where we get the word Christ from. You know, and the second one is the word alepho. You know, now, uh, what are these words mean, and what was the meaning of this word? Now, we need to understand this. Number one, with alepho. The word alepho was generally used, like, you know, for cosmetics or medicinal purposes only. You know, so when the Bible talks about anointing, you know, which, with reference to uh, either cosmetic or medicinal, it would use the word alepho. I'll give you the scriptures. Now, the Hebrew word for that will be the word suk. You know, I think is the word, uh, it's right there. Now, uh, the first scripture that, uh, that we see this as, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, this word in, it's in Deuteronomy 28, you know, that is talking about the blessing and the curses. Now, in verse 40, listen to what he says. He says, you shall have olive trees throughout all territories 
but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil. Now, the word there is a lay for. It is not trio, you know, but it is a lay form. And also in Ruth chapter 3, when Naomi told Ruth that you go and present yourself to Boaz. Now, listen to what he says in verse 3. Ruth 3 verse 3. He says, was therefore and anoint yourself and put on your clothes and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Now, the word there that is written anoint is the word aleifo, you know, the Greek word. Now, the second Samuel chapter 12, verse 20, you know, the Bible says, uh, then David arose from the earth. That is after, when, uh, after his baby died, you know, that he had with Bathsheba. Then David rose from the dead and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. So the word there is also the word aleifo. And also in Daniel chapter 10, verse 3, uh, uh, you know, when the Bible talks about Daniel that he was fasting, and he says here, I ate no delicacies. No meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint, I lay for, anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. So these are some of the words that we see a lay for was used in the Old Testament. Now what about trio? Trio, we find it, you know, uh, uh, its use was specific for sacred purposes, you know, for a godly purposes. The word was used for consecration. So this is, as I said, that this is where we find the word Christ, you know, from. So the word trio is used in the anointing of the priest, anointing of the tabernacle, anointing of the temple, anointing of all the utensils that were, were to be used in the house of the Lord. You know, to give you scriptures, Exodus 28, verse 41, it talks about it. You shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons with him, and shall anoint them, creo. He never says a lay for, but he says creo. You shall creo them. You shall anoint them and ordain them and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. So we see that. We see that also in Exodus 29, Verse 7, you shall take the anointing oil, the creole oil, and pour it on his head and anoint him. And we see that also in Exodus 40 from verse 9 to 11, talking about anointing uh, 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 things of the temples. So what we see, it was, it was also used in the making of the anointing oil. You know, that... The, the anointing oil does not carry the weight a lay for, but it carries the weight a creole, you know. And what we see about the anointing oil is that, uh, you know, it is only used in the Old Testament. We never find anointing oil in the New Testament at all. Let me hang you there, you know. And so... Uh, the Bible says anointing was too sacred. It was too holy to a point that nobody was to touch it except the priest. Nobody was to make it except the priest. You know, in Exodus 13 from verse 25 to 38, 
The Bible tells us that, uh, you know, and you shall make of this sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be holy anointing oil. And with it you shall anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, and the table, and all the uh, utensils, and the lampstack, and everything that is in there. Now, one thing that we see about uh, the anointing oil, listen to what God says. He says here that in verse 31, let's jump to verse 31. He says, and you shall say to the people of Israel... This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person. And you shall, you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy. It shall be holy to you. So God owns the whole copyright of the anointing oil. And it says here, you know, and he gave it, uh, the copyright to the priest. And he says in verse 33, whoever compounds any like it, or he ever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. So if God stopped and forbade the Jews from making the anointing oil, how would God allow Muslims in the old city of Jerusalem or in Bethlehem, or around the Sea of Galilee, you know, to make anointing oil for fertility, for prosperity, for success, for healing. Muslims are selling that. Now, verse 34 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Take sweet spices. So he tells him that uh, what makes it anointing is that is the olive tree, olive oil, that was mixed with some spices, you know, and uh, that was the copyright that God had. He said that you shall make it and it shall be holy unto the Lord. So it was not to be poured out on ordinary person. When priests were ordained, the blood of animals and the anointing oil were used. You know, both the blood of animals and the anointing oil were used on the priest. You know, we find that in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 30, the Bible says that Moses took some of the anointing oil and of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garment and also on his sons and his son's garment. So he consecrated Aaron and his garment and his sons and his uh, son's garments with him. Now, why did he use the blood of animals and the anointing oil? It's because both of them were shadows of the real that we find in the New Testament. You know, the blood of animals, we know that it represented the blood of Jesus. The anointing oil in the Old Testament represented the oil of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself coming down upon our lives. Now, that is why in the New Testament, we never see the use of anointing oil, ever. Because the Holy Spirit has come. Now, let's go to the New Testament now. About the two words, you know, the examples of verses where a lay was used. 
You know, we find the word aleph, remember, it was for general use like cosmetics and medicinal purposes only. You know, Matthew chapter 6, verse 17, but when you fast, this is Jesus speaking, anoint your head. He never said, cure your way, your head. He said, alepho, your head, and wash your face. Mark chapter 6, verse 13, you know, Jesus sent his uh, disciples to go out and uh, uh, pray for people and preach the gospel. He says, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil, not cured, but lay forth with oil many who were sick and healed them. Luke chapter 7, verse 38, and the woman came to Jesus and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to weep uh, to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with hair of her head and kiss his feet and anointed them with the ointment. I lay for them, not cure them. John chapter 12, verse 3, Mary Therefore took the pound of expensive oil and made pure nut and anointed the feet. He allayed for the feet of Jesus. In James chapter 5 verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him, not cure him, but allay for him with oil in the name of the Lord. So the New Testament use of the oil was never for spiritual purpose because the Holy Spirit had come. That is why it is only recorded exclusively for the healing of the body. That is the anointing. Never used for ordaining ministers or for protection or for financial breakthroughs or such. It was never used for that. You know. But instead, the laying of, of hands is the only method that the New Testament mentioned with regards to the ordinations, you know, for service. Now, the examples of the word trio, you know, in the New Testament. We find that in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus stood up. We know he's in the, uh, 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 he's in the, uh, not the temple, the synagogue. You know, and the, the book was handed over to him. Verse 18, and the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has killed, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the liberty of those that are oppressed. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he says that also. How God anointed, how God killed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Now, where the word trio in the New Testament is used, we see that there is no oil, there is nothing, but it is the Holy Spirit himself who is applied upon the person. In 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, Paul says, It is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, has cured us. God has cured us. He has anointed us. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So God has anointed us by his spirit that we may recover what the devil has stolen from us. 
Now, that is why Jesus said that I'm going to build my church on this. I'm going to build my church on the fact that they carry my anointing, that I am the anointed one. And every time you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you accept his anointing upon your life. And with this anointing, with this trio, you are able to go out into the enemy's territory. And you charge, you take back, you receive what the enemy has taken. Why? Because you are anointed of God. You are anointed of God. So that is why Jesus said, upon this revelation, not upon the peripheries and the, 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 the shadows and everything, no, but upon the revelation that I am the Christ, I am the anointed one, that I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. So when you accept Jesus, you accepted Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus Christ in our lives. We receive the anointing to overcome. We receive the anointing to recover our stolen goods. We receive the anointing to be healed. We receive the anointing to get our finances back. We receive the anointing to get our jobs back. We receive the anointing to get our business back. We receive the anointing to get everything that the enemy has stolen from you. You are anointed. In closure, in closure, you know, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2, verse 20, the Bible says, but you have been anointed. The word there is chrisma, which comes from the root word trio. You have been anointed. You have received the real thing. Stop waiting for the oil or anything. You have received the real thing. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. He says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. And verse 27, but the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But this as the anointing teaches you about everything. It is true. It is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in Him. You are anointed. Walk in that anointing. Hallelujah. This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International.